0: My name's Kara. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, my cat. One of my cats is here with me too. He's been very needy lately. Um, Oh my gosh. So I've been listening to this podcast for a long time. I live in New York and to get to participate is so cool. So I'm really grateful to be here to just lay out a few um, stats about me. I first came to Overeaters Anonymous in December of 2008. Um, I was very um, lucky to get abstinence about a month later and I've pretty much been with the same sponsor that whole time, which has been an amazing blessing and really the first person I've been able to be intimate with and share so much with. Um, so When I first came into the rooms 11 and a half years ago, I would always say that this disease started for me um, after college. And um, as I've done step work and dug more into my my history, I see that I have had this disease all along and I just really wasn't aware. Um, My childhood and upbringing was fine. Like everything was fine. Um, I think that my, my parents did not really know how to talk about their own emotions and they never really gave me the language to talk about it. And so I stuffed things down with food without really realizing that that's what I was doing. My dog has entered the room also. (laughs) We have a menagerie here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I used to dance when I was a kid and I, I just, I felt everything so physically. I, and I think that's why for me an eating disorder is what developed because I would feel hungry or I would feel pain. And so I would eat to try to, quell that when actually it wasn't hunger and it wasn't pain it was or physical pain in my stomach it was the emotions manifesting themselves and like now that I've done a lot of work around different types of meditation I see how that's actually such a big part of our emotions is feeling things physically where do you feel them in your body and so it's actually kind of crazy to me that I would feel this pain for so long in my body stuff it down with food so that I wouldn't feel anything, um, food or obsession. I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about what my food stuff was in a a minute, but stuff it down with food and now doing the work to try to be more aware of my emotions. And in that work, it's harder for me to feel things in my body. And I'm like working through that process now too, which is really interesting. Um, so I, I was a thin kid until I hit puberty and then I got curvier and I put on some weight. And, um, you know, this memory actually only recently came back to me. I remember my, I had this one boyfriend for most of high school. And I remember he and I decided that I was going to go on a diet cause I needed to lose like 10 pounds and he was like in on it with me. But at the same time we like ate junk together. So it was, it was weird, but, um, My mom taught, she taught physical fitness associated with a particular franchise, and so, like, nutrition and exercise was talked about a lot in my house, but not dieting. It was like, my mom would always say, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, this is just the way that I live, yet, now that I can look back on that, she caught on to every fad diet there ever was. And just like, wouldn't call it that. And because every time I would try to talk to her about, well, for one thing, when I would tell her, like my stomach hurts, my arm hurts, my leg hurts, she would just tell me it's growing pains and we wouldn't get further than that. So like, that's kind of what I mean when I say it. I don't think my parents are able to give me the vocabulary to talk about how I was feeling. Um, and I just, I guess like I felt shut down in so many conversations with my parents that when I started feeling like I wasn't happy with my weight, I didn't want to talk to them about it because I I just didn't think they'd be receptive. And so I like did as much in secret as I could, like exercising. I mean, I didn't care if they knew that I exercised, but like I tried to eat, to restrict what I was eating. I was never a very successful restrictor, but I tried to restrict what I was eating. I read in a magazine, um, purging through laxative use, which like I had never thought of on my own. And I can't remember if I actually tried to make myself purge through vomiting, but I was, I had, a, I have a major phobia of throwing up. And in like, I've actually like, thrown up a very few times in my life. Like when I've gotten a stomach virus that other other people have that keeps them up all night throwing up I throw up like once maybe and I just like <laughs> hold it all on my stomach sitting in discomfort and maybe it coming out the other end but that's like how um I don't know I've managed to like keep that down so thank god for that but I was thinking about that well that's not an avenue that I have so how else can I purge so you know I'd exercise as much as I could I took diet pills I took laxatives um Oh my God, I have this memory of, <sighs> it was Thanksgiving. We used to, we do Thanksgiving at my grandmother's every year and I would go the night before cause my parents would go the night before to help out. And on the morning of, I was like, I need to go to the gym and take a spin class. And because I had taken laxatives, I was like on the toilet. I overflowed her toilet. I was going to be late to the gym. So she was just like, just go just go. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And I honestly don't even think she thought anything of it, but like, that's just such an example of like how embarrassing some of this was and the craziness that it was and what I was doing. Cause I had to exercise. I had to purge if I was going to have that Thanksgiving meal, which, you know, I was going to town with, right? Like I really love today how people say, um, Thanksgiving is just another Thursday to a compulsive overeater. Like I really like that. And that is not how it was for me before. Um, my dad, my dad was always kind of overweight. My mom would always say she wanted him to lose weight. I, my brother who was always very active and thin would get praised a lot. I would get told like, are you sure you're going to have another one of those? Do you need that? You know, my brother would get the food items he asked for. I never did. So there always was that, but like, I, I struggled at the same time and I just didn't know how to talk to anybody about it. So I left, I was living, I grew up in a suburban town. And when I went to college, I moved to New York city and, um, the nature of living in New York City is that you walk a lot of places and campuses, you know, my dorm was a few blocks from campus and you're just walking everywhere. So, and I lived in a dorm that had a kitchen and I was not on a meal plan. And so I actually lost weight my freshman year of college um, because it was the first time that I was providing for myself and like whatever I was eating is what I was preparing. And, you know, it's not like, being in your parents' house where there's just stuff laying around. Like, I'm a college student, I'm only gonna get what I need. So, um, I lost weight in college. I thought everything was fine and normal. When I was a senior, I think, uh, a person who I used to do, sorry, sorry, my cat's, sorry, <laughs> cats knocking things over. Okay. When I was a senior in college, I was in a dance performance. And this person who I used to dance with walked into rehearsal one day and said, Oh, I just came from an Overeaters Anonymous meeting as if it were the mall. And I had never heard of Overeaters Anonymous. I had heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I did not know anybody in it. I did, did not know anything about 12 step, but I knew I binged and I knew that I tried to restrict and I knew that I tried to purge through exercise and through laxative use, though at that time it didn't feel like such a problem. It wasn't till I graduated from college that it blew up for me more. Um, but I thought, oh well, that's interesting that that exists. Like, put that in my back pocket. I think I may. I really like. Even though you feel okay now, you may need that one day. You overeat. Like, this is good to know. Um, so then I graduate from college, and in my first job, I put on basically all of that weight that I had lost in college, which I attributed to now sitting at a desk all the time and not walking around. In, um, in my first job, there was another person my age who had just graduated, who started the same time as me, and she had a history of anorexia, like full-fledged anorexia. Um, she had been a ballerina, and for whatever reason, she was comfortable telling me this. And so we would compare notes on, on how to restrict calorie count purge through exercise mostly is what we talked about. So this was the first time I had somebody in my life who I felt like I could talk to about eating and weight. And actually at first it was a relief. Cause like I, I was, you know, I never talked, I actually was, a, I, I've always been a talkative person, but I was before program, I was very private. And now most people will tell you, most of my friends will tell you that I'm an open book. I'll share anything. I've like really come to appreciate and love just like the concept of experience, strength, and hope. And like, if it's going to help somebody else, I will tell you. Um, But I was never like that. I was always a my mind on something someone would call me on it like whenever I was having bites or problems with a boyfriend I never told anybody about it because I didn't want them to think I shouldn't be with them anymore and like what if I still decided to be you know I was always in my head and thinking so far ahead which also my like oh no it says my internet connection is unstable can you still hear me okay yes we can oh Kara, are you still there? I think she's logging back in. Okay, perfect. And when she does, sometimes if your video is unstable, um, if you just turn your video off. Great. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. Can you hear me again? Yes, we can. Um, If it is unstable, you're more than welcome to turn your video off. Apparently that helps with the connection sometimes. Okay, good to know, thank you. Um, So I was talking about the person, okay. So I had never felt comfortable talking about food, weight, any of that stuff really with anybody. So to have this person come along who was like freely talking about it, was a big relief. Um, I lost a bunch of weight being friends with her, but I, my life got so, so small. I just, I was obsessed with counting calories. I had a wet, you know, it was before, it was before Smart. Well, I guess the iPhone had technically come out by then, but I didn't have one by then. So I had a website that I was tracking everything. And because of my OCD nature, um if i ate out i hated eating out because i didn't know exactly what was in it and i was so perfectionist that if i ate out i would just say well screw it then i'll turn this into a binge day um so if i was invited to eat out i would have to spend like the whole day before or the whole day after at the gym to make up for it um i had pretty much stopped the laxative use at that point because it was so uncomfortable um but was still exercising like crazy Um, my home meeting that I attend here in New York is a women's sexuality focused meeting. So I'm not going to talk much about that, but I, I have to, I can't not mention the connection between the food, body image and sex, because that's just so much of my story, um, So whether it's food, whether it's guys, binging, restricting, the cycle was continuous. So my goals were to eat as little as I could during the day so that I could basically eat all night, but still stay under 1200 calories, you know, exercise as much as possible. Um, I didn't want to make plans with people because I didn't want to eat out because I didn't want to not know what was in what I was eating. And it was just crazy. It was totally crazy making. Um, so I remembered, you know, that person I used to dance with said Overeaters Anonymous. Okay. Let me, let me check it out. So I go online, I look at the website and it took me, it took me a few months before I attended my first meeting because I, again, being so perfectionist, I had assumed that if I could not regularly attend a meeting every single week i just shouldn't go you know and that i'd have to be like i'm there all the time or it wasn't worth it so it took me a little while to go eventually um i went to a meeting that was a writing meeting it was a step meeting where they would write about the step that goes with the month. And since it was December, they were writing about step 12. So when I first walked in and they said we were writing about step 12, I was like, I should just come back in January. But like, thank God somebody took my number and called me. And when I told her that she was like, no, no, that's not how it works. You can still get a lot out of this. And um, the format of that meeting was to write. I don't remember what the, where the prompts came from, but it was to write and then optional sharing about it. And I, have very, I very much had the experience that I hear a lot of people have, which was people saying stuff that I thought only I thought and that I, only I felt. So it was just eye-opening to hear people say things um, and struggle with things that I had never been able to voice. And it was also, and this has been continually through my time in the program, this has been my experience of like the beauty in listening to other people's experience and how it maybe articulates and makes something clearer for me that was true for myself that I could never put words to. Um, so there's real beauty in that. So I started attending meetings regularly. Um, I got an interim sponsor at first and then found my sponsor who I mentioned has been my sponsor pretty much since then. Um, at at this women's sexuality focus meeting that I mentioned, and it it was really like she had what I wanted and I wanted to know how she got it. And in her shares where I had, I had heard her share once or twice in meetings before I asked her to sponsor me and just hearing about her experience, just I related on so many levels to what she shared about. so, it was a really good match. We started working the steps in the twelve step workbook because that's how she had been doing it with her sponsor. and then when when I was on two or three, she switched sponsors to a big book sponsor. so then we went back to the beginning and worked all the steps through the big book. Um, I, I let's see. I think it took me a good nine, eight, nine years to work all twelve steps. and I say that because. I know people put pressure on themselves to do it fast and like they're not good enough or whatever if you're not working on it every single day. And I think everyone's pace is like the the right pace that it needs to be. Um, A sponsee recently asked me why it took that long and I was like procrastination. (laughs) Like I'd have an alert in my phone to go do it and then I'd snooze, snooze, snooze for like months And then I would finally sit down and do it and only take like 20 minutes. You know, it was just like the idea of it. So, you know what, it takes what it takes. And um, I, there's also some folks have a suggestion of not dating within the first year. I was dating someone who was also in recovery, who I met about four months into abstinence. My sponsor, I asked her if it was, if she thought it was okay if I dated him. And she said, um, You know, I'm not gonna make that decision for you. It's between you and your higher power. And that's her answer to a lot of things that I ask her, which is part of why she works so well for me, because she's really helping me build my relationship with my higher power. And um, she said, if you decide you wanna date him, we'll just like stay in close touch about things that come up. And so we were together for four years. I worked through my fourth and fifth steps when I was with him. And if I'm being honest, I don't think I would have been able to do nearly as thorough a fourth step if we weren't together. Like I needed the mirror that he was shining on me. um, What he would reflect back to me. I had no idea. I did some of the stuff that I did till he started calling me on it. Um, And he was, I was just so lucky that he was able to call me on it in such a loving way and such a productive way. Our breakup was mutual, sad, But we both agreed it just wasn't working the way that we wanted it to. Um, And that was like the healthiest relationship and breakup I've ever had in my life. We were living together. Oh, So like to my perfectionism, I thought if you're going to move in with somebody, you better be sure that it's it because the most embarrassing thing in the world would be to have to move out from a person that you're living with. And then it happened and it sucked, but I survived, you know? And actually that relationship, so he called me, a lot of what he called me on was uh, fights I would start with him or walls I would put up when things were starting to get closer. And um, I never realized that I did that, but then it when he would pull me out of it in the moment, it was just so clear that that's what I was doing. Um, so I learned so much from being with him and about how i start fights with people and find reasons to step away from intimacy Um, and the breakup was just so civil also that like it really taught me about how i wanted to relate to other people part of step five was uh so in four the way that we worked it was resentment inventory fears inventory and sex inventory and then out of the sex inventory comes the safe and sound sexual ideals list and I continually add to that list, but our relationship just shaped so much of that for me, which was so helpful. I think I didn't know what I wanted out of a partner before that, and it's not to say him, and it's not to say once that ended, I now knew. I continued to narrow it as the years went on, but I think what I learned from that was the need to get clear on those things, which I never was. Um, similar to my fear of like sharing too much with people because of how they would judge me. I never wanted to put a stake in the ground and say like, this is what I want in life. This is what I want out of a person. This is what I want in know. Be. Because I was afraid if I changed my mind or went another direction, I would be judged for it. a lot of this work has taught me to not worry about those things and to know that like changing your mind is okay and we go in these directions and to actually narrow something down and say this is what i want and be clear about that is when the universe can open for you to do that or to receive that and that's just what my experience has been so um i have a policy of always saying i'm available to sponsor um that's what my sponsor suggested that i do so i do it i have had concerns with that because Um, in normal circumstances when I can actually go out and do things, I'm usually a very busy person. I work a lot. I do a lot after work and before work. Um, And so the idea of like telling infinity people I could sponsor them is kind of overwhelming to me. But my sponsor said, you know what, say that you are busy and that you're not going to be a sponsor who's going to be available to talk every single morning on the phone. And if that's not what they're looking for, or if that is what they're looking for, then you're not the right sponsor for them and you can let them make that decision. Um, I heard somebody on this podcast once say that they do better sponsoring grownups. And I relate to that a lot too. My sponsor, our line of sponsorship has one requirement, which is working the steps out of the big book. We do not have any other requirements as it relates to a particular food plan, number of meetings, checking calls. I'm open to all of those things based on what works for people. I share what works for me, which is very imperfectly calling and checking in with my sponsor every day on a voicemail. Um, And then sending every night I send my food that I plan to eat the next day and what I ended up eating the current day because inevitably changes for whatever reason. Uh, today I'm able to have that flexibility in my food plan. I, I um, have gone through different phases with it and I've had more strict food plans that worked for the time that they did um, and then I've gone through phases of opening up it up more. I where I am today is a more flexible plan where I have three meals, one to two optional snacks, the contents of those meals are fairly flexible um, and I um, I know that if I give myself too many guidelines I'm setting myself up to screw up and then be pissed at myself for messing it up which is why I have that more flexibility in my food plan um, I will honestly share that over the last 11 and a half years that I've been in program, my weight has fluctuated. And in the last like year or two, it's gone up, not in a way that I've needed to like get new clothes or anything, but in a way that things feel tight, in a way that like when I take a yoga class, certain poses don't feel comfortable. I can't breathe very well in them. And that's been really uncomfortable. And because I come from this history of trying to lose weight, it took me a while to speak up in a meeting and actually share that I wanted to lose weight because with my history of being so obsessed with what goes in and what comes out and wanting the weight off, I was afraid that I would fall back into my disease if I admitted that like, I want to lose weight and not to get to a pound number that I think is the magical number, not to look a particular way in a dress or a bathing suit, but just to feel comfortable in my body. Um, And so it definitely was freeing when I started sharing that recently. And, um, you know, blessing of the pandemic has been cooking for myself more, which has been really beautiful. I also don't weigh myself. So I actually don't know if I've lost any weight. I've feel pretty good doing all the yoga poses right now. I have not put jeans on in 3 months, so I have no idea how my clothes fit either. Um but it just feels good to like out myself and be honest about how I'm feeling and what's going on with food. Um uh what else do I want to say? I am in a beautiful relationship now with a civilian who is like one of the most normal people I've ever met, not a like ism of any kind, really. Um, definitely imperfections. But what it's really taught me is the value of the fellowship and how he is so many things to me, but he is certainly not everything. And he's absolutely not a fellow. And my need for meetings and my need for fellowship and connection with all of you um, is ever more important if I'm going to stay um, present and connected to him. Same thing with connection to my higher power, which right, let me, sorry. I started talking about some of those things that I do on a daily basis and higher power just came back to my mind. Um, I meditate and I pray every day. That's pretty much non-negotiable. Also, I just set a time, I use that insight timer app and just do a five minute meditation every morning with some prayers before and after it. Um, And I have a 10 step buddy who I reach out to anytime selfishness, fear, self, what is it? Fear, selfishness, resentment, and I can't remember the fourth one right now. Um, It's laid out in the big book. We connect with each other. This person's actually in France, which is pretty amazing. The technology allows us to communicate still. We typically text, but we can do voice calls also. Um, My sponsees have been connected with each other to be 10 step buddies for when those things arise. And um, dishonesty is the fourth one (laughs) just came into my head. So yeah, today, like it's a real blessing, like through this whole quarantining situation and I got COVID mildly and I'm fine. Um, Food never crossed my mind. Like that is the blessing of all of this. Like figuring out a way to play with food, oh, nobody's going to see me. Nobody's here. I could just have a little of this or have a little of that just wasn't even, it didn't even feel like an option to me. And so that's been like a really beautiful result of being close to fellows, being working through the steps, being close to my sponsors. When these crazy life things come up, I just cry and I have feelings and I talk to people about it, but it doesn't need to exhibit itself with food. Do I still start fights with people? Yeah. Do I still exhibit it in some like emotional behavioral ways? Sure. Um, working on it. Progress, not perfection. Um, but I'm just so grateful for where I am today. I'm so grateful to be here. And I think I'm going to end there and see if people have questions. So thank you for letting me share. okay usually the tech host does questions but i'm happy to do it tonight i can do i can i can do questions um so i people just can write in questions in the chat or if you want to unmute yourself just um you know try not to go over another person talking um and is there anything else i missed okay so does anybody have any questions they want to ask feel free to put it in the chat or just unmute yourself. Okay, I see one in the chat. What did you mean you prefer to sponsor grown-ups? So what I mean is that um I'm not going to be the sponsor that chases after somebody or scolds them for not doing something that I've asked them to do. Um, my sponsor my sponsees Sorry, the, the way that the relationship tends to work is that um, it is a, more driven by the sponsee than it is by me. I'm going to give direction on step work that I'm hard about, like that I'm strict about. But um, in terms of calling me every day, subscribing to a particular food plan, um, going to a certain number of meetings a week, I'm not going to hold anybody to that. That's up to them. Have you ever dealt with a resentment towards your sponsor? And if so, how did you work through that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Yes, I have. My sponsor is amazing. I've dealt with resentment toward her when she hasn't been as responsive to me as I would like her to be. Um, I, I think like it's happened a couple times where I've texted and asked for a phone call and she just hasn't gotten back to me and I've had to follow up. And if I'm like, that is one of my hot button issues in life in general is feeling like, like I'm in one sided relationships where I'm the only one and the person doesn't get back to me. Um, So what did I do? I shared about it with a fellow. I wrote it in the column format that we do in the step work and the resentment. So the first column is who are you resentful at for what, what does this affect Um, and then what my part in it is. And I know for something like that, my part in it is having this expectation of of other people to be perfect because I put that same thing on myself. Like I think I would die if I didn't respond to somebody. And so sometimes I hold other people to those same crazy standards I hold myself to. I'm going to A few people privately messaged asking for my number, so I'm just going to put it in the chat to everyone so I don't have to respond. Um, Can you speak to the evolution of your relationship with your higher power? Yeah. When I first... So I grew up in a Jewish household. My father... We're all in the conservative movement, so it's following some rules, but progressive at the same time. And so... We've always been pretty liberal, and um, you know, women participated in everything, and so I was always very involved, actually, in synagogue and all that stuff. Um, but I came to a point where I felt like I was just putting on this performance, like to make my dad happy, and it wasn't really me. I also came to a point where with um, With friends who I knew from the Jewish community, they were so insular and didn't really know other people who weren't Jewish. And so it got hard for me and I felt like I needed more variety in my life. So I stepped away and that was right before I came into program. So when I came into program, I was like, "Uh, God, no way. Like, absolutely not. Um, The interim sponsor, sponsor that I worked with and my current sponsor both told me not to worry about that yet with step one. And then part of step two, three was writing a definition of my higher power, which I just wrote in a simple bullet point list with qualities that I was looking for. Kind, forgiving, always there for me. And it really highlighted for me how I had just been embracing like the old, you know, the biblical, the Old Testament, jealous, judgmental God. Um, I really struggled with this concept of, of like, but which is it actually, like what's true. And then I, I think back to the part of the big book that talks about electricity. You don't need to know how it works. You just know that it does. And that's great. And I read that stuff over and over again. I, cause I still, I was like, I get that, but like, no, like what's actually right. Like who is God? What is actually God? But enough of talking in meetings, enough of sharing with fellows, enough of working the steps, I finally was like, you know what? It works. Like who cares? It works. And actually that breakup where I had to move out was like, God carried me. My fellows carried me. I saw that I could do something that I never thought I could do. And it's like things like that, that show me like, you know what? There is no one, this is what it is. Like there's, I can form something that I'm gonna believe in that's gonna work for me. Uh, do you ever experience perfectionism in terms of exercise feeling? Can like you need to control, manage, and if so, how to use a program to help you with it? Yeah, um, so when I first came into program, I included exercise in my plan. I would say that I wouldn't do any more than an hour a day or like a class. A day, because I used to go spend hours or do multiple classes in a row at the gym. One of my favorite spin teachers would teach three in a row and I would take all three in a row. Um, One thing that I do is I pretty much only take classes. I don't like going working out on my own. I kind of am afraid of leaving myself to my own devices to have the structure of an instructor telling me what to do works really well. I wear a heart rate monitor so that I don't overdo it because I will. Um, when I first came into the rooms, I was still pretty religiously going to the gym every single day, even if I was only doing one class a day. And then I had an injury and I had a surgery that I thought was going to have me out for a week, but it had me out for like five months. And that was another one of those moments of like, wow, I can survive not going to the gym every day. Who would have thought? But that was like super eye opening for me. And like, it, again, it took what it took. I just needed something like that to make it happen. And that's what helped me be really forgiving about that. Um, then I, after that guy and I broke up, I moved to a different neighborhood and the closest exercise there was yoga. And this yoga studio, I never would have known, you know, they were just, there's so much more, they care so about so much more than just the movement they have such a like holistic mind, body, spirit approach to the yoga that all of that became more important to me. And for the last seven years, all I did was yoga. I didn't do any other type of exercise. Um, I just moved again. And now obviously I'm not going to any classes in person, but I got a bike and I do classes here. I do yoga classes here. So I'm um, grateful for that. Do you believe in working the steps over and over or just doing a 10 step after working them all? So my sponsor's lineage just works the steps through once. Um, My OCD side thinks that's not like good enough and thinks like, but I'm not doing any work now. I need to keep going. But A, to your point, question asker, the 10th step is a continual step to keep working all day, every day. And B, now my task is to take my sponsees through the steps. So every time I get together with a sponsee and we go through the big book together, like that's my chance to review this stuff for myself too and see what else is popping for me this time. Not to mention the fact that, especially as it comes to resentments, um, that is not a one and done. And I absolutely will still write out those columns when I'm feeling resentful in new situations.